as I'm waiting for this, my prayer this morning kind of reflects Paul's prayer to the Ephesians in chapter 1 when he prays that uh, the Lord may grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God so that your eyes may be opened um, to know what it is that we're a child of God, what that means, all that he's given us. And so this is what we're going to be talking about this morning. This is shaped by Jesus. Those of you who don't know me, my name is Gray, like the color. And uh, it's my joy to speak on this this morning because this is a topic that's very dear to my heart. Now, many of you know that uh, over the years, I've done a lot of travel, international travel, and all across Canada, helping uh, in, in the career field. And uh, in my last major uh, trip back in 2019 before the pandemic and everything changed, uh, I, I've mentioned that I was 10 weeks in Australia in the city of Victoria helping the Department of Education and Training uh, develop better tools in their school system to provide meaningful career services to uh, marginalized youth and children, especially uh, Aboriginal, uh, immigrant refugee, the disabled, kids in, in uh, corrections, and kids in government care. And I, I really had a good time with them over, over, over the 10 weeks. But one of my special things that happened for me on that particular trip, it relates to something that I always try to do when I travel. I always try to find a craft market. I love crafts. I love seeing what people make, and I even love it even more if I can actually see how they're made. And in, in 2019, I had a chance to go to the Lost Trades Fair. Uh, it's about an hour and a half, two hours outside of Melbourne, and, and my contact there uh, found somebody who would be interested in going to it and gave, give me a ride out there. And it was a fascinating because it was all trades that uh, largely have been lost, although some of them we still see. I mean, there was pottery, and there was uh, sewing and quilting, and there was leather work and all kinds of stuff. But there's a lot of stuff we just don't tend to see in, in craftsware. Uh, for example, these mechanical musical instruments, like these mechanical organs, and they have, there's about 20 of them around the site. You uh, could all play music. Uh, when's the last time you saw hurdy-gurdy? <laughs> Where you wind the end... And it plays music. Uh, incredible, beautiful basket work. Uh, wooden puppets. I loved this little rabbit puppet. And they had all these puppets that were just beautiful. Uh, penny farthing bikes. Uh, Craftsman making penny farthing bikes. Uh, and a rocking horse carver. I carved a rocking horse for my youngest sister in the 80s. She had twin boys, and so I carved her a rocking horse looking somewhat like this, except it was on rockers. Uh, I'm so I'm partial to rocking horses. Uh, and things like in woodwork, I like wood, woodwork. And here was a fellow with a treadle lathe. You don't see those very often anymore, do you? Where he'd have that pedal and just operate the lathe that way. But this fellow, I spent a long time at. In fact, I spent about an hour and a half looking, listening, watching what he was doing, listening to him. Because a lot of these people gave um, uh, demonstrations of their craft and how they did it. And this particular one really showed me how much of the fact that this man was what we would call a master craftsman. If you take a look in, in the left-hand side, about the middle, you'll see there's some chairs there with dowels, spindles. And then down the bottom left, there's spindles on that chair. This man is a woodworker who makes these chairs 
without any mechanical tools at all. And in his workshops, when he trains people to do this, teaches people, he does not allow sandpaper even. <laughs> yeah, you have to make it so you don't even need to use sandpaper on it. And he, and he showed us how he made a spindle. And he took a big chunk of wood and he, and he cleaved it off till he had just that little square of a wood. Then he went over to a, uh, you know, uh, uh, kind of a, a place where you clamp the wood down. And with draw knives and spoke shaves, he talked. And he did this. And he did this. And then he'd turn it and do this. Looked at it, did it. And by the time he finished explaining about making things from scratch, he had a perfectly shaped spindle this long. You could perfectly smooth. No sandpaper, no mechanical, just draw knives and spoke shaves. That's a man who knows what he's doing, right? And I want you to think about that as we uh, go through the, the, what we're talking about this morning. Uh, an image that's often used when it comes to spiritual formation is this image of the potter. Unfortunately, I didn't take any pictures of potters that day. So, uh, but when you look at this image of the potter with his hands around that piece of clay, what does that image evoke for you? What does it make you think about when you see it? Uh, uh, it does a lot for me. Uh, I think of transformation. That fellow took a piece of wood and he made this beautiful spindle. You know, uh, uh, this potter takes that lump of clay and makes a beautiful vase, for example. Very personal, isn't it? It's not something he buys, but it's very personal. And it's very personal and unique for each lump of clay because he's going to make it into different pots, different vases. Very purposeful, very skilled, very hands-on. The potter gets his hands really dirty. You know, when I do my crafts, they get really dirty. But that's part of making something. So you're, you're completely involved. And just think of his gentle but firm hands. The potter's got to be in control, but he's got to be gentle because he pushes too hard one way, the pot's going to be ruined. Isn't that right? And beauty. His goal is to create something that is beautiful. And it is a process, isn't it? He just has to go, boom, you know, and, and all of a sudden, there's a vase. There's a process of making that, right? Getting the right clay, getting it on that uh, wheel, spinning that wheel, and shaping it, and a slow process, and then taking it, and trying it, putting it in a kiln, you know, all those things. Well, that's what I want you to think about as we talk about spiritual formation today, this is the kind of thing that we should be thinking about. Except it's not a lump of clay. It's us, isn't it? We're the ones being shaped and formed. Now, the interesting thing when you think about it, what's the difference between these two clay objects? The right, it's a beautiful little vase, uh, I think it was tablets I bought for Trish a few years ago. What is the difference? The difference is this. The hands of a master craftsman, isn't it? The master craftsman took a lump of clay and made it into that thing of beauty. Because the reality is a lump of clay can't form itself. Isn't that right? You can sit there from now to eternity 
And it's never going to become that vase. It's going to stay a lump of clay. Now, this has profound meaning for us. Because when we talk about spiritual formation, we're not talking about something that we can do. We're like the lump of clay. We cannot spiritually form ourselves. But we can be formed by the Spirit. And so we sing a lot of songs like this one, clay in the potter's hand. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Make me as clay in the potter's hands. Mold me. Make me as you'd have me be. Take me. Use me that the lost may see. Guard me. Guide me through this pilgrim land. Make me as clay in the potter's hand. This morning, I want you to think about that you are the clay in spiritual formation and that you are in the hands of a master craftsman who knows what he's doing. And I prefer in my, my own mind as I meditate this, I don't tend to think of spiritual formation. I Because it tends to think that that's talking about forming my spirit. That's part of it, but it's all of my life that's being formed, right? And it is the spirit who is forming us. I prefer spirit formation. And I want to look at that this morning. Uh, we've got a couple, a few things that help us understand what spiritual formation is. Uh, I know that it's being formed into the image of Jesus, but there's a little bit more to think about. This one. Spiritual formation is the ongoing process of the triune God transforming the believer's life and character toward the life and character of Jesus Christ, accomplished by the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the context of biblical community. There's a lot in this that's worth thinking about. It's ongoing process that, that, that goes all of our lives. We never arrive before eternity. And it's a, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all involved with us, although it's the Spirit who is the active agent. And it's having our life and character, not just our spirits, our life, all of our life, internal, external, our, our, our thinking, our feeling, our choosing, our living, being transformed. So ultimately, we increasingly look more and more like Jesus in the way we live and act. And it's accomplished by the Spirit in the context of biblical community. I was talking with, with uh, Rob before this morning that uh, one of the things that uh, is a big part of spiritual formation is community. Because we're not formed alone. We're formed together. Now, there's a difference between spiritual formation and discipleship. And many things that we're going to hear in the days to come are really talking about discipleship, but are very important to spiritual formation. But we've got to keep the two separate in our minds. Otherwise, we think we're going to be forming ourselves by doing these things. Through spiritual formation and discipleship, both involve... A process of growth and change. Spiritual formation is directed by the transformative work of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life, in your life and mine. The Holy Spirit is the master craftsman forming us. Whereas discipleship is the ongoing process by which the believer, that is you and I, learn to live as a transformed individual. 
God is working in our life. The Holy Spirit is working in our life to transform us into the image of Jesus. But we have to live that out. Don't we? That's discipleship. Now, the Holy Spirit is the one who takes the initiative. He's the change agent. In other words, there is no spiritual formation where the Holy Spirit is not actively at work. And that's really what I want you to think about today. Spiritual formation is the work of the Holy Spirit transforming me into the image of the Son. Now, admittedly, we've got to cooperate between with, with what the Spirit's doing. And next week, we're going to look at this from the perspective of how do I, as God's child, cooperate with the Holy Spirit as he shapes us and forms us in the image of Jesus. We're not just a lump of clay. The lump of clay doesn't really have much to do with it, right? <laughs> when you make a pot. But we do. Because we can resist, can't we? We can ignore. We, make it, we, may, we may fight what the Spirit is doing in our lives. All kinds of things can make it difficult for us to be formed into his image. Isn't that right? And so how do we cooperate? That, that's what we'll talk about next week. So... And, and, and Paul makes that very clear in Galatians. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish, he says, after beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? We cannot accomplish spiritual formation by our own effort. We became children of God through the work of the Holy Spirit as we believed what Jesus had done for us. Isn't that right? Well, as we go through spiritual formation, it's exactly the same way. We believe that the Holy Spirit is working in our lives to transform us into the one who has called us to be like him. And we've got to really be careful that we don't turn these beautiful things that we're going to talk about the next few weeks into human effort. Now, when does spiritual formation start? It starts when I become a child of God. We sang about that. I am a child of God. Yes, I am. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh and the spirit gives birth to spirit. We became a child of God, not of our own works, but of the work of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that right? And that becomes central to understanding everything that happens from this point on. Because just as he worked in our lives when we became a child of God, he works in our lives to conform us more and more to the image of Christ. It's not our effort. And what we have to understand is this. Our ultimate destiny as a child of God is to be formed in the image of Jesus. So Romans 8, for those God foreknew, he also predestined what? What's our future? What is he moving towards? What is all that's going on in our lives? God is wanting to move us towards to be conformed to the likeness of his son. If you are a child of God this morning... Spiritual formation, being formed in the image of Christ, it's not something just for a few spiritual elite, some people who just got it all together, but it's your birthright. It is your future. It is your destiny to be made into the image of Jesus Christ. This is what God has predestined. And sometimes we lose sight of that, that that's where we're moving towards. So salvation, by the Spirit, we become a child of God. And his life is now within us. 
It's like our DNA has changed because the Spirit's in here. And there's going to come a day when in the, in the twinkling of an eye, we will all be changed, we will all be transformed, and this mortal will put on immortality, and we will be all made into the image of Christ. But what happens in between? What happens in between? That's where we're living today, isn't it? How does this relate to now? And we start to understand that spiritual formation is a process. It's a hope. It's a future. But right now, it's a process. So Paul, as he's thinking of the Galatians, he says, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth. This is pretty serious. Pains of childbirth. Until Christ is formed in you. The end of the day. That's what all ministry is about. Helping people be formed to the image of Jesus. So it's, there's a, right now we're in a journey of spiritual formation. It's a process of ongoing transformation, sometimes slow, sometimes fast, uh, into the image of Christ. The question is, how does this transformation take place? I don't know if you've ever thought about that. How do we actually get transformed? What is actually transforming us? And I am very, I'm one of those people that I'd say, uh, my, my faith is what I'd call an eschatological faith. That is, I look to where Jesus is taking me, the end, and say, okay, that should guide my life now. And so a passage, when I used to teach Johannine books, the book, gospel and books of John for many, many years, when I taught at the Bible College, I love this portion in 1 John 3. How great is the love of the... Is the love the Father has lavished on us. How great. That we should be called children of God. Rob, you kind of touched that in one of the songs, you know. God called us his children. And that's what we are. Dear friends, now we are the children of God. But we, but we, sorry, but what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know, what do we know? That when he appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Did you hear what transforms us? What is going to transform us in that end time when, when Jesus returns and we go to be in his presence? What is going to cleanse the presence of sin, etc., completely out of our lives for, for all of eternity? What's going to do all that transformative work so that this mortal puts on immortality, etc.? What is it? When he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. To see Jesus is to be transformed by Jesus. So how does that work today? I believe that we are transformed by seeing Jesus. Sounds easy. But the problem is a lot of times we have things that blind us to Jesus, don't we? Sometimes it's sin, sometimes it's just busyness, sometimes it's just distractions, isn't that right? And our mind isn't always focused on him as it could be. So how do we see him now? How does that work? And so this precious portion, and again, you talked about freedom this morning. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is Freedom. Freedom from what? In the context, it's freedom from the law, from sin, from the have-tos and shoulds 
and, 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 and the things telling us what we should be and what we should do and how we should act and legalistically trying to do of our own strength to do what we ought to do. We are freed from that because we have been accepted by Jesus into his family and we don't need to ask for that anymore. And this is, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the glory of the Lord. He's talking about referring back to Moses. Remember when he had the law? He came down from the hill and he shone so brightly with the glory of God reflecting off him that the people said, you're too bright. We can't look at it. It's too much. And he made him put a veil over his face. Just to tone it down a bit, Moses. Tone it down a bit. Too bright for us. But we have veils that have to be removed to see God. It says, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed, present, continuous, going on, into his likeness with an ever-increasing glory. Greek says, from glory to glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It starts when I become a child of God, but it continues on in that place of freedom, that place of safety, where I'm now the child of God and the Holy Spirit can reveal Jesus to us and we have the ability to see him and to allow that to transform our lives. It's a precious thing, isn't it? And so it's, it's not just a process of ongoing transformation to the image of Christ, but it's one, it's by the Holy Spirit who enables us to see. And it's pretty clear why we can see Jesus because of the Spirit. In the upper room discourse in John 14, 15, 16, in 17, he's preparing his disciples for what's going to happen after he leaves. And they're all worried that what are we going to do with Jesus gone? How can we live our lives with Jesus gone? How can we see Jesus if he's gone? But he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The counselor, Greek was paraclete, from parakaleo, para, alongside, call up to call, this one who is the alongside one. That just as those disciples walked with Jesus alongside them, we now walk and live our lives with the Holy Spirit in the sense alongside us, in our lives, in our hearts. And why did he give us that spirit to be alongside us? He goes on to say, when the counselor comes, the paraclete, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. He will show Jesus to us. Help us to see him, to know him, who he is, what he does, what he has for us. That is the work of the Spirit. And so, uh, and, it, and it isn't just a little bit of what Jesus did. He says, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, I, the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. He's revealing Jesus. He's showing us Jesus. That's why we can see Jesus. That's why we can be transformed. Now, this work of the Holy Spirit is all-encompassing. It covers everything in our, in our spiritual lives and in spiritual transformation. And I'm going to talk about some of them, uh, but not in detail. I'm just going to mention them. Each one could be a message and a study in and of themselves. But I just want you to get a sense of how all-encompassing the work of the Holy Spirit in your life is 
to enable you to be transformed into the image of Jesus. And as we do this, uh, I want you to think about this. We're told in 2 Peter, his divine power has given everything we need for life and godliness. Where do we get that divine power? What did Jesus say before he went up into heaven? In Acts 1.8, when he goes in, but you shall receive power. Same Greek word, dunamis, ability. When the Holy Spirit comes and he'll be witnesses to me, through, through he is, his divine power, I believe that's through the power of the Holy Spirit, has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him, seeing him, who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. Why? Why do we have all these promises? Why do we have everything we need? So that through them you may participate in the divine nature. And that's at the heart of spiritual formation because Jesus doesn't just want us to be like him and look like him. You know, like, like we could dress up in the same clothes and look like one another. He wants us to experience his very life in its fullness, as Ken talked about last week. Now, I want you to consider some of these works and I want you to think about how have you seen these at work in your own life? And again, I'm not going to dwell on them. It's going to be a quick go through. And I'd encourage you to look back over these passages and just reflect on how has the Holy Spirit been working these things in your life to see what he's doing. See, it's not a case of asking him to start. He's already working. We may not see it, but I believe he's already, always, already working in saving us. We're saved through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He's abiding us. Don't you know that you yourselves are the temple and that the Holy Spirit lives in you? When we become a child of God, he comes and he dwells and he lives within us. He's not out there. He's in here. And I love this passage. It was what historically was called the testimonium. He, he assures us that we are God's children. In, in Romans 7 and 8, Paul's struggling with the fact that he is a broken human being in a broken world. And as much as he really desires to be like Jesus, he finds so many times that the things he wants to do, he's not doing the things he's doing, he doesn't want to do. You know, you ever had that struggle? You struggle with it? And it's hard. when we're in the midst of that struggling with sometimes not even being able to do the simplest things that we think we should be doing as a, as a child of God because we're having a bad day, the Holy Spirit testifies. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear but you receive the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. He used to call that the testimonium. He gives us life. The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are spirit and they are life. And God, through his spirit and his word, gives us life, and it puts life to all we do in his name. And all, for example, the things that if you practice a bunch of things that we're going to be talking about, it could be talked about in the next weeks about, you know, the word of God and prayer and these things. It is a spirit of God and his word that put life into that. So it isn't just a dead action. He teaches us, but the Holy Counselor, the Paraclete, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. I love this ministry of the Holy Spirit. I can't tell you how often I'm working through struggles and I've spent my whole life in focusing on the Word of God and teaching it, studying it. And I can't tell you how often I've been in difficult times and the Lord 
has put a verse in my mind, exactly what I need at that moment to deal with it. I believe that's the Holy Spirit doing it. Because this is how I remind you. He illuminates us. Not just that we hear it, read it. We have not received the spirit of the world. He's just talked about the fact that I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man. The things that God has for us. But the spirit knows. He says, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. The life of Jesus Christ in our lives. To be lived to the full. The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God for they're foolish to him and he can't understand them because they're spiritually discerned. And he opens our eyes as Paul prayed to see them. He opens access to the Father. We have access to the Father by the spirit. Lord, I, I can't seem to get through to you. It's the spirit who gives us that ability. Uh, empowers us. Uh, dear friends, uh, I'm missing a verse. I wonder where that verse went. Uh, about the fact of the, of the power of the Holy Spirit being given to us. I don't know why. I had a couple of verses missing here. Uh, but part of the empowering, you know, when he says, uh, you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses, that's not just talking about preaching the gospel. I think sometimes we have such a, a small view of that. It's talking about having a life that is a witness that matches our word. So, for example, when Peter, he talks about this. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. They will see your life. They will see Jesus in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what touches people. He gifts and equips us. And I'm just going to pass through that quickly. It's something we talk a lot all about. But all of us uniquely are gifted. That's why we're not all the same pot. We're different looking pots, isn't that right? Because we have different gifts. And it's the Holy Spirit that gives them. Uh, he convicts us. I need that. In the last year, especially, I've had several major conv convictions from the Lord where he said to me, well, wait a minute, you're off base here. And they've all been life transforming as I've responded to him. Because he says, when he comes, that's counselor, that paraclete, when he, I will send him to you. When he comes, you will convict the world in, of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. He unifies us. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope. You were called. We don't think about this, but I believe unity is a major factor in spiritual formation. Because we're in this together. You know, there's that verse about you're the temple of, of, the, of, the Holy, of God, the Holy Spirit. One of them is in plural, you singular, or the temple. The other one is plural, you as a group are the temple. We both are. And we meant to do this together, to be formed together. He guides us. When the Spirit of Truth comes, He will guide you. I love this. He prays for us. And again, it's in this 7 and 8 where Paul is struggling with his humanity and his brokenness. And sometimes he talks about groaning and not even knowing how to pray. You ever been in that place? 
I certainly have many times. And I always go back to this. In the same way, the Spirit helps us with our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches the hearts, our, searches our hearts, he searches our hearts, and what does he find? Knows the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And there's been many a day when I have not had a clue what to say to God in prayer. Except, Lord, have mercy upon me. And I hope your Spirit can take whatever's going on here and, and make, make, make sense to you. We need, we need that ministry, don't we? An ongoing prayer ministry for us. You know, we never think about it. We talk about praying for one another. But we need to pray for this. We need to pray and be thankful that the Spirit is praying for us always as he forms us into the image of God. He empowers our worship. Those who worship must worship in spirit and in truth. And, and Paul makes it more explicit. We who worship by the Spirit of God. Glory in Christ Jesus put no flesh. Aren't those works incredible? Does that kind of cover the bases? That's not even all of them. I had to cut down some. some. But do you have a sense of, of all that he is doing on your behalf this very day, this very moment, of all that he wants to do in your heart and life? Because that's the starting point of spiritual formation when we realize the spirit is what informs us. And the spirit is very, 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 very active. How do you see these work in your life? So we go back to this image. All of this. This is us. The Spirit is transforming us. And it's very personal. It's personal for God and it's personal for you and me. It's very unique. It's purposeful. He's skilled. He knows what he's doing when he's transforming us. And he's gentle yet firm. And sometimes it's hard to believe, but he's turning us into something very, very beautiful. The image of Jesus. And it's ongoing. When I think about this, something that I keep coming back to in my own heart, my own life, what does it mean that I am in the hands of the master craftsman? Very simply, I feel Savior. Rob and I were talking a bit about this earlier. I grew up in the context of a lot of legalism, a lot of judgment. We weren't doing everything 150% for God. And we never seem to measure up, and so we're always guilty. Because we weren't ever good enough. We didn't do enough, didn't grow fast enough, on and on. But where this, the Spirit is the Lord. And where the Spirit is, there is freedom. This is a safe place, isn't it? A safe to be who we are, where we are in our journey with God. Safe to take our hearts and our lives and put them into his hands, knowing how much he loves and cares for us and how committed he is to, to working in our lives to form us into that image of God. What a safe place to be. There's no safer place than in the hands of a master craftsman who turn us into something beautiful. How should I respond? I'll be talking about that next week. See, I 
I just lost that. Uh, it disappeared. Is it still up there? There. Yeah, that it is. It's, I cannot do spiritual transformation. That is the work of the Holy Spirit alone. But I have to cooperate with him. If we live by the Spirit, let's walk with the Spirit. And next week I want to look at this aspect. How do we walk with the Spirit so we can have this sense of all the incredible things that the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives as he seeks to form us into the image of Jesus? And how can I cooperate with that and see that realized in my life? Thank you very much. Thank you for listening.